0: Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to talk to you today about being trained for war. We're in, like every generation, we're in very important times because every generation, men die and men are born. I know that's very profound to you, but the reality still is today that if people don't know Jesus... If they die without Jesus, they spend eternity, not a day, not a year, not a hundred years, but they spend eternity in hell, banished from the presence of God. We are in the most critical business of all, that is the saving of people's souls or spirits, however you want to define that. But we're in the business of leading people to Jesus. We're in the greatest war of all. It's the war over the minds and hearts and eternal lives of people. I know you know that, but the reality is that most believers go through the week without this understanding that what we do makes all the difference in the lives of people. Just recently, uh, Adam and I had a... Well, I shouldn't say just recently. A, a year or so ago, Adam and I had a friend, or you know, I guess a, a friend, in, in the uh, music business that was an amazing, colourful... Wonderful guy that we, we were attracted to. Like He just had this vibrant personality. He was young, I think in his 30s. And uh, we found out just recently that he took his life. Now, here's the thing. We may have been the only people, I don't know, maybe there was others that were his connection to Jesus, his connection to eternal life. So we must be equipped for the war that is before us. In your workplace, wherever you go, there are people that desperately need Jesus, but they are bound by unbelief, by sin and darkness. So that's why I say we are in the most critical business of all. It's the business of leading people to Jesus. So we must be equipped. Are you all on board? 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're all in the flesh today. Yeah? Yeah. Fleshly bodies. Yeah. I hope so. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. So our battle, whether it be when we're waging war, bringing the kingdom, when it, you know, this whole issue with uh, godliness in the school place or whatever it might be, or even to the fact of leading your friend to Jesus, though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. We're not trying to reason or use logical arguments. We're not trying to function like normal people function for the Bible says here that the weapons of our war aren't fleshly weapons we're not trying to get the job done using our brain our intellect and our willpower for the weapons of our warfare they're not fleshly weapons but they are mighty weapons powerful weapons that pull down and demolish strongholds and arguments that exalt itself against the knowledge of God God has equipped the church with the greatest weapons of all You're equipped today, armed and dangerous You've got all you need And often it looks like the job before us is way too hard How can I change government? How can I change the mindset and the function of business When they're ripping people off? How do we, how do we get into the schools? How do we change people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol And whatever it might be? But the Bible says that we're not fighting with fleshly weapons but God's armed us with spiritual weapons that can pull down every single stronghold that would oppose the knowledge of God. Did you hear that? So the goal in the church is to get every saint in a position to wage warfare. We've said, and I'm not going to spend too long on this, but we've said that there are three progressions in the kingdom john talks about this from children to sons to fathers he says with children you ask and you receive that child state is the state of salvation it's a simple state if you've not accepted jesus today you ask him into your life it's very simple those who call upon the name of the lord shall be saved so it's very simple And a lot of Christians stay at that place. You know there are churches all around the world where people station themselves at that place and never get equipped to fight the war that's before us. But we go on from children to sons. And sons, it says, so we ask and now we seek. Sonship is about seeking who he is and seeking who we are. It's the transformation of a human personality. So as I get to know God more, I get to know more about myself. He transforms my soul, the way I think and feel and choose. He's getting me ready as a son so I may display the kingdom. Yeah. Children can't display the kingdom like a son. Sons begin to begin to know the mind of the father. They begin to function in a place where the authority of God can rest upon them and not destroy them. Ask and we seek. Seeking is a bit harder than asking, where we begin to press in. God, who are you and who am I? What have you called me to do? What is my assignment, Lord? Why have you placed me on this earth? Hopelessness fills not just the world, but the church, because they haven't discovered who they are. Who am I, Lord, and what have you called me to do? The Apostle Paul said. Ask, seek, and knock. Knock. Knocking is a bit harder than asking and seeking. It requires energy and passion. We spoke last week about the spirit of boldness that comes upon the church. We begin to knock and we begin to pressing for realms that Jesus died for, yet have not been taken by the church. Jesus was, The Father said to Jesus, Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. So Father's waiting for the church to come into the fullness of the expression of Jesus, a bride equal in dimensions to the Son. The apostolic prayer is that we be filled to the fullness of God. The fullness. That means the church, before it can be raptured, must be equal in dimensions and understanding and wisdom and power as the Son is. He's coming back for a bride that they can walk down the aisle hand in head, not unequally yoked. That, that whole thing about being unequally yoked is not just husband and wife on earth, but it's about the bride and the groom. It's about Jesus saying, I won't come until the bride is equally yoked to the son. So there is something stirring in the hearts of God's people. That's why many people see 11.11 Because we are in a generation where there is a transition happening. We can't always see transition because it happens around us. It's like a page turning in time. 11 leads to 12, which is the government of God, the full expression of God. And we are seeing signs in the heaven and the earth that God is repositioning the church for its greatest hour. You're it. There's no plan B. Oh, okay. But don't worry. Jesus had the same conundrum when he faced the disciples. Well, you're it. Okay. All right. Okay. There's a bit of work to be done. Three years, but I think I can do it. And when he left the earth, the disciples looked up to heaven and said, Jesus, are you really sure about this? The angel said, why are you looking up? It's up to you now. He's not coming back. Get the job done. And they went out and they began to proclaim the world and they turned the world upside down. These same broken, disturbed, strange men and women that God got a hold of and equipped. Now I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because God is now doing the same thing. He has equipped his saints. For war Children Sons And fathers Fathers Are ready To express The fullness Of the father They understand His eternal purpose What he's trying to do And I pray That every believer here You capture Not just here Oh yeah We've heard Andrew Go on about The seven mountains It's it's got to go From here into here That Jesus Is totally passionate About transforming Every sector of society. And it can't be just three people and a dog that say, yes, we believe. The whole church has to get on board and say, God, if that's your passion, it's mine. See, fathers begin to say to, to the Father in heaven, what is on your heart? See, sons and children, it's, it's a lot about how do you change me? How do you help me? How do you bless me? Lord, well, me, 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 me. Fathers go into a realm of maturity where they begin to talk to the Father and say, what is your eternal purpose right now for the earth? What do you want to do through me? Are you getting this? And so God begins to equip them and we begin to say, okay, this is what you want to do in this city. Have you got a vision for this city? If, if Jesus sat beside you today to talk to you about this city, what would he say? What would he call you to do? Not me, you. What would he call you to do? And if he's called you to do something, how has he equipped you to do it? For he never calls someone he doesn't equip. And so we're going to see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and this is just some basic teaching, but we're going to activate this at the end and believe God to begin to flow through us with weapons of war to do the assignment he's called us to do. He has equipped you. Did you hear that? Who, me? Yes you Yes you Not someone next to you You. Don't tell me that this was a great sermon That if my brother had been here It was just the message for him I don't want to hear that anymore Don't tell pastors that That makes them want to puke It's for you The reason you're here is because God's speaking to you The message is for you today You Oh but I'm too old, I'm too young No, 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 it's for you It's for you that's why you're here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. Say spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. I do not want you, brethren, to be ignorant. And that goes for the ladies too. What would the Holy Spirit say to the church? He would say, I've given you weapons of war and I want you to know that you've got them and how to use them to do the assignment and fulfill the calling that I've given you. How will we ever bring the kingdom to this city without the weapons that God has given us? It's impossible. We wage war according to the flesh. Let's get out some placards. I'm not against placards per se. Let's take up a, you know, whatever it is that Christians do. But what about people saying, let's get before the Lord and seek his face and say, God, stir up the gifts within me, let the weapons of war. Law begin to flow through my life. Amen. For the weapons that we have, they're not fleshly. They're not fleshly. You can't transform this city. I've got to be careful what I say. Using man's methods. there's strongholds that we're coming against. Yeah. And they're broken through the weapons of our warfare. Yeah. So he says, don't be ignorant of spiritual gifts. How, many, how much of the church are ignorant when it comes not just to the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues, but all the gifts of the Spirit? It says, largely the church has been ignorant of this. So we're fighting with our hands tied behind our back. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. Now look down to that. And it says, but the manifestation, this whole chapter, is on the gifts of the Spirit. The manifestation of the Spirit is given... To each one. Say each one. one. Do you know what that means? That means every single person here has been given a deposit of the gifts of the Spirit. There is a manifestation of the Spirit on every single believer. Well, I don't have any gifts. Well, we better cross that out of your Bible. Because Paul says the manifestation of the Spirit, and this chapter is about the gifts, is given is given, is given to each one for the profit of all. You've got the gifts. You've got at least one of them and probably a number. Did you hear that? You've got weapons of war that God wants to unlock in your life to fulfill the assignment that's before us. Verse 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things. Distributing, look what it says, to each one individually as he wills. There are gifts for me and there are gifts in me. The one and the same Holy Ghost works all these gifts and he distributes in this body all the gifts of the Spirit individually as he sees fit. You don't get to call particularly what gifts you get, that's his job. But he says, desire them. And the more you desire, the more I'll desire to give them to you, as I will. But he says, you're going to get some. You're going to get them. You will function in the gifts. That is his deep desire, to function in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And if you're a believer today and you're not functioning, let me tell you this. It's not because he hasn't given them to you. It's because you're not using them. And so we list in chapter 12, the nine gifts of the Spirit. And we are going to go through them briefly today. Why? Because we are going to activate and stir up. 1 Timothy 1, 1.6 says, sorry, 2 Timothy 1.6 says, stir up the gifts that are in you, that were given to you by the laying on of hands. Paul says that those gifts and faith I saw in your mother, and your grandmother, and they're in you too, Timothy, and now you need to stir them up. They're in there, but you need to activate what I have put in you through the laying on of hands. You have received an impartation today, church, and now it's your job to activate and stir them up inside. Are you hearing? Is this getting deep inside? Now, Don't turn off. Don't say this is for your brother, your sister, your mother. It's for you. The Spirit of God is here today and he's saying, I want you to activate the gifts. There's a, as we have a threefold nature of man and God, we too have a threefold nature of the gifts of the Spirit. The revelation gifts, the power gifts and the speaking gifts. And I want you to listen to these and write them down if you're taking notes. The first gift that Paul t- talks about is the gift word of knowledge. If you're taking notes... It is a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning facts in the mind of God about places, people, and things in the past or present. So in other words, in Acts chapter 9, verse 11, Ananias was told to go to the street called Straight. And when you go there, you will find the home of, I think it's Judas. And he says, when you get there, there will be a man in there that's been blinded and he's praying and he's seen in a vision that you're going to come and pray for him and he's going to receive sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a word of knowledge. something's taken place. something's happened. God wants to give you the word of knowledge. He wants to show you places, people, things that have taken place are either taking place right now or have taken place in the past. He wants to open your eyes. These are weapons that we use for warfare, that protect us, that, that give us entry into places that we can never go. These open doors in people's lives. They know that God is real, not just by word, but by power and demonstration. We're not just saying Jesus is alive, but the living proof is he knows all about your today and your past. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wants to reveal that he loves you and he's always been with you. And their eyes are opened. He wants to show you what's going on. I've told you, some of you, but some may not know this, that I was in a plane and coming back from Queensland, and the Holy Spirit, through a word of knowledge he he gave me, he showed me what was taking place in my car and what had taken place before I got to the airport, he said, be ready because the enemy has come to your car to sabotage it and when you get there, you'll find that it's dead. And when I got, I didn't say anything to Michael, we were flying together and when we got to the airport on the way to the car, Through a discernment of spirits, uh, uh, Michael's eyes were opened and he saw a figure like a demon that that materialised coming from the direction of our car. He appeared behind me and walked very fast towards Michael and then went around him and disappeared. We got to the car and sure enough, the enemy had been there and tampered with it. It never not started in the history of the car. We got in the car and we couldn't start. It was dead. It's a word of knowledge. The enemy's been there. So we prayed, we took authority, and the car started. But see, that's a word of knowledge. God's showing you the enemy has done this. He's been there and done that. So when you get there, you're not surprised. God's always one step ahead. Word of knowledge. There are people today that God wants to activate and release within you the gift of word of knowledge. So you begin to see things that have taken place. You, some of you have got friends You don't know why they are acting the way they do, and it's irritating you, even in your workplace now. There's someone here today, and you've got there's a female that's been irritating you and acting in a way that's causing you frustration, and God wants to open your eyes so you see what took place in that person's life in the past that's caused them to behave the way they have. Rather than budding fleshly. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. One word from God, one picture. One thing from God can set the prisoners free. We have weapons. We can't do this without the weapons. I've tried that. I have witnessed with the best of them. And it's gone nowhere. But one word from God. I've witnessed to some people that they seem so resistant to the gospel for years in my previous workplace. And then God gave me a word and disarmed that person within a moment. One word from God. Word of knowledge. Say with me, word word of knowledge. Father, let's stir in our hearts the word of knowledge. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us this gift to reveal things past and present about people, places, and things. See, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I'll answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. John chapter 16, verse 13, is it, says the Holy Spirit, he's the one that reveals to us things to come. He will reveal to us all truth. He lives in you. And if we just would wait upon him and stir up the gift, turn the TV off, whatever it is that distracts you, And begin to focus on him. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He'll begin to move. Word of wisdom is, second, the supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose and plan in the mind and will of God. It is future tense. The prophets of the Old Testament would predict with absolute accuracy what would take place in time. Isaiah with the Virgin. Hundreds of years before it happened, by a word of wisdom, we're able to see out of a snapshot of the mind of God things into the future. Remarkable, isn't it? Noah and the ark. That's not bad, seeing something a hundred years before. A word of wisdom will sustain you. When everyone's going left, you'll go right. When everyone's saying sell, you'll buy. When everyone's saying buy, you'll sell because you've seen into the future. One of the, I believe this is one of the great gifts for the body of Christ in this hour, is to see what others don't see. Yes. The papers don't understand. They, they, they have tests, what do you think the Aussie dollar will be by the end of the year? They've got no idea. But God wants to teach us. Are you getting this? He's come to me. I remember at Brexit, he spoke so clearly to me, he said, Don't worry about Brexit. It's all going to happen that, that, that England will disengage from Europe. He told me before it happened. And he also said to me, he said to me, this will happen after Brexit. This commodity will go up to this price or this percentage increase on the day. And I wrote it down. Why? Because God knows. Why did he do that? Because he's showing us he knows all things. He'll go ahead of us. In fact, I remember an occasion where A man rang me and he wanted to meet me and he had an agenda that I had no idea about. The last thing from my mind, I had no idea why he wanted to meet me. But as I was going to that appointment, a word of wisdom came and the Holy Spirit said, when you get there, this is what he will say to you, word for word. Why did he do that? Because he wants to prepare us. He wants to give us the upper hand. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. And we've all got our stories where a word of wisdom has come and God has prepared us. See, Isaac sowed in the land of famine via a word of wisdom. Everyone had packed up and gone to Egypt. But he had a word from God, don't pack up. Sow a seed because in the same year you'll reap a hundredfold and they're all going to come back. And in one year you'll go from the tail to the head. Word of wisdom yeah. Is God interested in that? Absolutely how, how do you think he's going to bless you? We, Walter talked about summing seed and the seed growing How does that happen? How does it literally happen that God blesses your increase? Do you just pray over it and then stand at the door And wait for money to come into the mailbox? Well, we can do that, I guess But that's, that's not partnering with God so much See, what, what really happens is the gifts of the Spirit begin to be activated in our life. And we begin to position ourselves for increase, 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 increase. So, Lord, let the word of wisdom come. Activate that in our hearts and lives. Amen. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I will show you things to come. I've been saved from heartache and making wrong decisions because the Holy Spirit has come. And spoken word for word. So when I walked into that circumstance, I knew what to do. And he wants to do it to you. I'm not some spiritual giant. I'm like you. Did you hear me? Very ordinary. But the gifts are given by the Spirit to each one of us. To build up the body and prepare us for the assignment that is before us. The word of wisdom. Well, I don't know about that. I think it was for the times past. Mate, you need the word of wisdom. Acts 2 says in the last days you'll pour out the Spirit on all flesh. And we're in these last days where we need the cutting edge. The gift of discerning of spirits reveals, number three, what spirit is motivating the attitude and actions of people. To discern means to perceive by seeing and hearing. To see and hear into the spirit realm. Acts 16, 17. Remember this servant girl is saying, These servants are servants of the Most High God. It sounds really religious, doesn't it? When when you read what she's saying, she's not saying anything really bad. It sounds like she's promoting Paul. But Paul perceives in the spirit that she has a spirit of divination or fortune telling. And he speaks that spirit, and he casts it out. The spirit, uh, this gift of discerning of spirits, is not just about evil spirits, but it's about God's spirit. It's seen into the realm of the spirit. I have time to go into all this today, but God wants to open our eyes, so when we go into places, we perceive people that are bound by demonic spirits. Yeah. We go into other places, and we perceive an open door. To move and operate in. That we're sensitive to the realm of the Holy Ghost. We're sensitive to where the enemy's at work. When Kara and I walk through the city, it's not uncommon for us to see demonic manifestations when we walk through because there's a stronghold in the city and they react and respond when God's people walk through and we begin to see into the realm of the Spirit. It was not unusual to see that as, we would, as as a young boy walking through the streets. We would see demons materialize as, as real as what you are. God would open our eyes into the realm of their spirit. And as we were witnessing and sharing the gospel, these demonic spirits would appear behind people and, and taunt us because they didn't want these people to be set free. We would begin to see into to the realm. Is that for me? Absolutely. Open our eyes, Lord. Like the, the prophet's servant uh, couldn't see, so the prophet prayed, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes, that he may see yeah. in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. It's for you today. You need that. Yeah. You need to know what's motivating, what, what spirit is behind some people yeah. Yeah. so you can work. So you know what to take authority over. Some of the agitations in your family or extended family or workplace is because demonic spirits have got a hold of people and they need to be dealt with. Rather than arguing with people, go around that and begin to take authority over the demon that is driving discontent and unbelief and pain and turmoil. Our battle is a spiritual battle. See, demons didn't stop appearing after Jesus went to heaven. And I ask the question, if Jesus constantly dealt with demons in his ministry, both in the church and outside the church, do you think they've gone on holidays now? No. Open our eyes. Discerning of spirits. Activate the gift. So as we walk, we begin to practice. Lord, give me eyes to see. Cause me to be sensitive when I walk into a place. What, what spirit is over this place? What are you wanting to do? Open my eyes because Isaiah 61, the anointing of the, of the, of the Holy Spirit is upon us to set the prisoners free. They're, they're in prison because demonic spirits are holding them. We break them in Jesus' name and they walk out free. Well, I don't believe in the deliverance. You are called to set the captives free. There is power in the name of Jesus spoken out of your mouth. You have authority. The devil is under our feet. He is a liar and a deceiver and his power was broken at the cross. You have. See, the Bible says the least in the kingdom is greater than than John the Baptist. Is there any least in here this morning? Anyone feel like that you're the least, the smallest, the most insignificant, unqualified, ungifted person... Even if that was true about you, which it's not, you have more power than John the Baptist. You have more kingdom authority because the Holy Ghost lives in you. And the Bible says that you are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple where he resides. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit have made their home in you. So when a demon comes against you, he's coming against the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the only issue is your deception. If he can deceive you into thinking you have no power, you have no power. For well, the whole thing is a truth encounter, not a power encounter. If you know the truth, your power in you will defeat any demon. Wigglesworth, when he opened his eyes up, when he got, was in bed, and he saw the, not just the demon, but he saw the devil himself at the end of his bed. And he looked at him and he said, oh, it's only you, and went back to sleep. And it's true, it's only him. Because we will see him in the... And the glorious rapture, return of Christ, and then we will say, Is this the one? Is this the one that caused so much pain and grief? Is this the one that deceived the nations? And it won't be so much about the limited power of Satan, but it will be just as much about us discovering how great our power was. The serene of the spirits, the gift of faith. The Amplified Bible says to another, in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 12, to another wonder-working faith. The gift of faith is a supernatural manifestation of the Spirit of God where a believer is endowed with special faith. It's the saving faith that we all have. It's, nat- it's faith that we activate in our life where we believe for things. But there are times where the gift of faith comes upon us, where God enables us. To believe like we've never believed before. This is what Hagen says. And if you want to read more about the gifts, read Kenneth Hagen. Um, There's others that you can read. But this is what he says. The gift of faith is given that we may receive miracles. whereby Whereas the working of miracles is given so we might work miracles. The gift of faith is so we may receive a miracle. The, uh, the gift of working of miracles is so we might actually work the miracle. So in other words, Daniel in the lion's den, he had a gift of faith. He must have because he sat in the lion's den and went to sleep. Peter went to sleep when he was chained amongst was it 16 guards and he knew the next day that he would be potentially slaughtered. But he slept that night. Jesus had the gift of faith when he slept in the boat because they, it's like a passive receiving of a miracle. He was able to rest when everything else was in turmoil and receive the miracle that God wanted to give them. Some of you, God's given a gift of faith where you can believe for something to happen, even though it takes time and you don't need to be in turmoil because you know that you know that you're going to receive that which God has given you. We need and desire the gift of faith that supernaturally causes me to believe when everything in the natural says there is no way you can get it. Yet we say, I choose to believe. And like Daniel, he goes to the lion's den. And I don't know about you, but lions aren't something to be messed with. But he goes in the middle of them and he goes to sleep. The next day, men are thrown into that same lion's den and they are eaten alive. What's the difference? The gift of faith. Paul, He's been put on a ship. He's about to be shipwrecked, but he says to everyone, don't worry about it. Angel of the Lord came. Don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. It's all honky dory the gift of faith. goes. They get shipwrecked, but he, he's seen. So There's a number of gifts working here, but God's given the gift of faith. So there's no turmoil. I, I've seen it's going to be done. There's a miracle coming. It goes to the island, it gets bitten by a viper, shakes it off. Gift of faith. Amazing. We need that gift to stay in the rest amongst turmoil in our life. The working of miracles. Say that with me, working of miracles. What an amazing gift. A supernatural intervention by God in the course of nature. We see that right through the Old and the New Testament. Water turned into wine. We see it in the Old Testament where Aaron threw down his rod and it became a snake. The working of mighty miracles. Where God super imposes himself against the course of nature. I remember I've prayed for people and they've floated off the ground. In fact, we had one here a number of months ago. Where as we prayed for this man, his feet began to come off the ground. His eyes were as big as saucers. He said, did you do that? I said, look at me. I know I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. He was a big man. It's a a miracle. It's a sign, wonder, and a miracle. And these gifts are available to the body of Christ. Miracles didn't cease when Jesus died. He said, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover These signs will follow those that believe. He's a miracle-working God, and we stir that gift up within us. Many of you have faced circumstances where you needed a demonstration of the miracle-working power of God, so we stir it up, don't we? We stir it up. Number six, the gifts of healing. Manifested for the supernatural healing of sickness, disease, without any natural source. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the enemy for God was with him. It's been one of those giants that's taunted the church. Many of us have been in healing meetings where we believe for much and it came to little. But the gifts of healing are still available today. I was watching last night a uh, video of A.A. A. Allen where he prayed. You can see it on YouTube. Prayed for a little girl that had polio, totally healed. Prayed for a man that was bedridden, cancers all down his back, tumours, I think. He prayed for him, totally healed. William Branham would do the same, move powerfully in the gifts of healing. See, when we see these one-off people moving so powerfully in gifts of healing, it tells me one thing, it can be done. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's something that they tapped into that as forerunners in the spirit, listen, that the whole body of Christ will experience. God, It's not his nature to highlight one and say, well, there you go. That's what I can do. Look at that and rejoice because I once did it. No. What he's done for one, he'll do for you. There's an old song which I won't sing. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. He'll do for you. He'll do for you. And the day, and there are there are chosen vessels by God who go as forerunners, both in that day and this day, and we honor them. But the whole purpose. Of God raising up the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints so they could watch <laughs> Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. What ministry? The very work that you saw. Look what you saw. Now go and do the same. If you see someone prophesy, that means you can prophesy. If you see me lay hands on the sick, you can lay hands on the sick. The gifts. Of prophecy, or the gift of prophecy a Supernatural utterance in a known tongue Given for edification, exaltation and comfort Many of you have seen that in operation We ran for, for probably two years We called it Encounter Night Where we trained young people, little ones Amazing to older people How to move in the gift of prophecy And tongues and interpretation We had fabulous ways of teaching people how to move in tongues and interpretation. The gift of prophecy. God wants to flow through your life so you can bring words of comfort, exhortation, edification, building up the body, building up the body, building up the body. So when people come in, God's got a word to build them up and strengthen them. People come, not just the church, but you'll meet people throughout the week and they need to be strengthened. God's got a word of prophecy for those people. Tongues and interpretation do what prophecy do. and uh, Spoken in a tongue and then another would interpret. or the same one interpret the message spoken in the tongue. So God would give you a message in tongues, not just... A, uh, in, in a public setting, not just a as we speak in tongues to edify ourselves But the, the anointing of the Spirit would come And we would carry, as it were, a burden from the Lord Or a message for the body And we would utter that out And somebody, either the same person or another one beside them Would hear that message and get the English translation So the whole body could hear the burden of the Lord for the people and do you know you can do that at home? You can pray in the Spirit. And I taught the encounter group, there will come a moment where you will cross over from personal edification into travail or you'll sense that something has shifted in the Spirit and there's a message from God. And as you proclaim that and pray that, then all of a sudden the interpretation will come and you will have an understanding of that which you've been praying in the Spirit. And then we use prophecy in our own personal life to not just uh, comfort and, 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 and exhort and build up, but we can use that prophetic word in our declaration. And it, it actually marries him with the word of wisdom that as we begin to proclaim over our family and our city, God will download wisdom about his future for that city and we'll proclaim it as a word from the Lord. See, imagine with me if every single person here throughout the week Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Begin to prophesy. Begin to pick up what was taking place in the Spirit. Just, just, you know, you're at home. You can't make a mistake. It's, it's okay. It's okay. God will work with you. But well, what if I get it wrong? But what if you get it right? God will train you. It's like when you train a child on a bike and he begins to ride and he falls off. The mother or father doesn't say, well, that's it. There's your bike riding days gone. No, you pick them up and put them back on the bike. Let's try again. And the Lord leads us and guides us and trains us by the Spirit. And we begin to learn what it is to hear the voice of God and proclaim it. Now imagine if every one of us began to proclaim over our church. Imagine if we began to wait on God for the service that we were coming into Doesn't the Bible say everyone have a psalm, a hymn, a spiritual song? Not just when we get to church, but before we get there and begin to proclaim it. Lord, this next meeting, you're going to pour out your spirit. I begin to see what you want to do. And I begin to proclaim increase, salvation, deliverance. But imagine if everyone did that, began to proclaim and prophesy over our families, over our lives, over the church, over the city. Imagine what would happen in the realm of the spirit. But the enemy wants to keep us silent. But we are a prophetic people. Yeah. Who, me? Yes, you. Second Samuel 23.2. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my neighbor's tongue. No, my tongue. Listen to that. This is for you. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me. Who, me? Yes, you me. It's amazing. God speaks through me. And his word was on my tongue. That means I'm an instrument for his power. Did you hear that? His word is on your tongue. And do you know why many people don't speak God's word? Because they don't speak. Because they don't speak. When they come to prayer, they moan and complain. But they need to take a shift and begin to prophesy. What will I prophesy? Start with the word. Lord, you are God. God. This city belongs to you. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the Lord. Write your scriptures down if you don't know them. Go on the internet. Do a search. Begin to prophesy the word and allow the Holy Spirit to take a hold of you and you watch him come and begin to move in your life. Your words are powerful. His words are spirit and they are life. And when you speak, just because you don't see anything happen, we're not people of the flesh We're not people that look to the natural. We're people that function in a different realm. And so when I speak, no word of God is void of power. It goes out there. And see, I showed you the other week. The key is not to let the word come back and receive. Oh, guess it didn't work. The moment you say that, those words have lost their power. But you set them forth. And if they come back in a form of accusation or see that didn't work, you just send them back out again. No, that's what I said. It stands. God's will will be done over our city. And one of the reasons that spiritual climates don't change over a city is because God's people don't know they are assigned to be a prophetic company of people. That not one word will fall to the ground. My job is to prod you so you will speak. Psalm 46.6 says, The nations rage, Rawr! We're bringing in this. You will not do this. And the church shrink. No, the nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. But God uttered his voice and the earth melted. So when God speaks, the physical realm is affected. The Bible says the hills... Melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Every stronghold, all resistance, they will melt when God utters His voice, but God cannot utter His voice unless you speak. There's a lot of silence in heaven, because God's looking for a mouth, peace. God chose young people, Jeremiah, strange people. Elijah. Women. <gasps> Deborah. Who are powerful in the Holy Ghost for one reason they became available. Esther, if you don't stand up for such a time as this and do what you are called to do, then God will bring salvation through another man, another woman. Catherine Coleman said, The reason God called me. I I don't know the exact number, but she said that God had come to three or four different men, and they all said no. God will keep knocking at the door of people's hearts, looking for someone who will speak. 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, to stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of hands says, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind, or the mind of Christ. Stir it up, 2 Timothy 1.6. Stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. Stir your gift up. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, pursue love. Why is that? Because the devil cannot stay in the love bubble. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts and especially that you would prophesy. Stir it up. Earnestly desire it. Pursue it. Desire it. Expect it. Activate it. Activate it. I have to take a risk. Activate it. What if I fail? Activate it. Stir it up. Stir it up. You'll never move in the gift of prophecy if you don't stir it up. And often the churches house this in the context of a church meeting, which is wonderful. But the weapons of our warfare are primarily given for the pulling down of strongholds in our city and our nation. We are up against powerful strongholds that are trying to shift the course of our nation. God has a plan. He has assigned angels with a plan and a scroll for this nation as a forerunning Holy Ghost nation. And the enemy right now is trying to turn the course of our nation away From the assignment of God. And I'm speaking now by the Spirit of God. And right now, God is calling his people to realign the ship by the prophetic decree and by the weapons of our warfare to take down the enemy's plans. So we stir the gift up. Stir the gift up. It will place you. Our gifts position us before prominent men. Now that's natural gifts, but I believe for the body of Christ is our spiritual gifts. And he wants to position men and women with the gift of wisdom and knowledge and discernment that would stand alongside men and women of authority, like Daniel did, like Joseph did, that will bring the word of the Lord when there's confusion. When Pharaoh says, I don't know what to do, Joseph had the ability to bring the revealed word of the Lord to save not only Egypt, but the nations of the world, and more importantly, the very plan and purposes of God. So we stir the gift up. Could God use me? Really? Is that that your biggest question? Could God use me? Let me tell you. He says... He uses the foolish things, really, the, the Greek says things like dung, the rubbish, the, the poo heap. That's what he's literally saying. The refuge, that which has been expelled and wasted and rejected. He says, I take the rejects, David's mighty men, the rejects, and I use them. So when people look at that, they say, It must be God, that no flesh would glory in His presence. And if your biggest hang up, is your own life and your in- inabilities, get over it, love. Because God says, you're just what I'm looking for. You've got a mouth, you're breathing, you love me. And all of is. is can I use you? Will you be a temple that I can possess and speak through and work through with boldness and authority? Use me, Lord, speak through me. That's what he's looking for. So I reckon after that that there's not one person here that's not a candidate for the gifts of the Spirit flowing through your life. Amen? Amen. So say with me, "Use me, use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. The Bible says that every one of us has been given the gifts of the Spirit. So we stir the gifts up. How do we stir them up? We pray in the Holy Ghost. We speak over our lives, I have the gifts of the Spirit. We begin to look for it and expect it. We wait on God. We, we, we listen to the wind of the Spirit. We train ourselves. We give time to it. We experiment. We step out. We learn. We discover. We move with Holy Ghost who is our greatest partner. He so wants to teach us. He says you have an anointing within you and you know all things. He'll be our teacher He's that paraclete that comes alongside us, our trainer, our counsellor, our coach, and he's so for us. So we reach out to you, Lord, and we say, we receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gift of faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. We receive the deposit of, of the Holy Ghost gifts in our lives this day. In Jesus' name. We stir them up in Jesus' name. We stir them up, we stir them up, we stir them up. We fan them into flame. We say, I have the mind of Christ. I can do it. I am called, I am equipped. I have the weapons to do the job that God's called me to do. We can take this city. We can shift the course of this nation. For God has called me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.